The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. You know, you know as well as I do that when you ask this, these 20 holdouts, what are you holding the line for? They give you very vague statements. They say, well, you know, it's to make this place work better. We're tired of the swamp. We're tired of the status quo. It's like they're on the campaign trail just screaming slogans that their consultants told them to say. Meanwhile, they're fundraising off of this. Everybody's getting fundraising emails from these people. And let me say this to the American public right now. Do not donate to these fundraising campaigns. They don't need the money for this. Okay, There's, there's no reason that their campaign needs money. Um, and it's, 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 it's actually just really immoral for them to be doing that. Immoral. That's Dan wow. Crenshaw. Republican who has been voting for Kevin McCarthy all 11 rounds, saying of the 20 or so holdouts that they're, uh, they don't have a plan in their fundraisings. There are a few of them that have some ideological points to make. And some good ones, in my opinion. And some good ones. Yeah. Um, there, are, there are a chunk of them that got no plan. They're just, they're just burn it down types. Yeah, and the more often they yell "fight," the more money they they raise. But even the uh, the the ones that ideolo- ideologically I agree with that are getting some concessions from Kevin McCarthy, which we can talk about in a bit. But um, you got to pick a person and rally behind that person. That's the only way it's going to work, isn't it? Right. If you can all come together and say this person believes what we believe, come and join us. Let's make the house run better. Let's get back to where legislation comes from the committee up and not from the top down, because that's some of the argument. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that sort of thing, which is something that apparently Kevin McCarthy has conceded. At least that's the rumor uh, overnight that there was uh, an agreement made where they think they can get 15, 16 of the holdouts to come over to their side, maybe. 
Well, the rebels have nominated everybody from Donald J. Trump to a couple of people who wouldn't take the job at gunpoint to a couple of people you've never heard of in your life. Um, and so, right, it's just not they have no chance of getting somebody in. The only thing they can do is say no to McCarthy. Yeah, but I, the way this should work, uh, uh, I would think, is if you're going to have an opposition, is there is somebody who ha- who is known as uh, who's built the brand of. You know, this is what I believe. This is how the House should work. Rally behind me. And they're all pushing that person. But that's not what hap- is happening here. No, no. You know, one final note. It, it it just so happens I was reading something yesterday as I waited five and a half hours for a tow truck to show up. Look, um, that uh, it was a discussion. I, I went deep into the various uh, Twitter threads, uh, Twitter dumps that Matt Taibbi's done recently. And one of the things that became so clear was that on the Democrat side of the aisle, the whole, we're going to hold Twitter and their Russian bots to account thing became a big fundraising thing. And so you would have, like, who was the senator? I, I don't want to get into it because I don't want to take the time, but uh, one of your lying freaking senators uh, makes a big grandstanding thing about Twitter needs to crack down. So Twitter does a deep dive into all the accounts that might be a little suspicious and comes up with the fact that they really don't have that big a problem. They're just a handful of accounts. Some of them may have spent a couple of bucks to get promoted, but it just isn't a problem. And they went back to the senator, and the senator said, no, that's not good enough. I really need more. And then uh, shortly after the meeting, the senator puts out an email, or a uh, yeah, an email to all of his constituents saying, every dollar you donate will help me hold Twitter to account for consorting with the Russians. And it's just so naked these days. Everything, everything they do is just an excuse to send out an impassioned fundraising email. Anyway. So back to the fight, which I assume there are going to be more votes today, and it is going to go on all weekend. They're going to work Saturday and Sunday, too. There have been, is it 11 or 12 rounds so far uh, that McCarthy hasn't gotten the required votes to become Speaker of the House? National Review is out with a cover story today saying it's time for McCarthy to, to pull his name. Because they don't hmm. see how these people are ever going to back down. And, you know, you got to get to it eventually. Oh, the uh, hair on fire. This is, you know, Congress isn't doing the work of the people. The the, the noise you're hearing on CNN and MSNBC is really overwrought. The I, I saw the chart yesterday. The House of Representatives has finally convened and elected a speaker various times through the years later than this. Mm. Um, a number of times, like several times on the 8th. It's just some of it has to do with the way the calendar lays. So, you know, the Constitution calls for a particular day and then the calendar lands here. And so you got a weekend. And then if there's a big storm and a whole bunch of people can't come, they delay it. There's been a bunch of times that we don't get around to the 8th or the 9th to have the Congress. And it didn't even make the news. You didn't even pay any attention to the fact that right. they didn't get around till it till like what would be this next Tuesday. And um who cares? So it's that's not a big deal from that end. Yeah, um, I don't need the government to solve my problems. They ought to see solve several of their problems. But yeah, I can wait. Supposedly, some of the concessions that Kevin McCarthy has made to try to get the votes. One I mentioned would be uh, making it more about uh, the committees bringing stuff up from the bottom rather than top down, which I'm all for. Uh, one of it is taking it down to just one member of the House. It would only take one member of the House to call for a vote to oust him, which the problem with that, I think, is it'd be pretty easy to see a Matt Gates do that every day. Yeah. Just to muck things up. Yeah, interestingly, though, that is the way it used to be until Nancy Pelosi upped that number. Yeah. 
and it didn't happen. Right, right. Yeah, well, the, 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 lots of things didn't used to happen. Right. Things are different now. They really yeah, are. If you have, ask, uh, ask uh, Chuck Schumer what it's like to have a teeny tiny majority and how a couple of people can say, no, we're not down with that. What? And you are you are uh, dependent on them completely. See Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema. Thank well, God. Well, and that's why John Boehner stepped down, remember? And he's a pretty powerful speaker. That's why he stepped down because the rules changes were coming to that. And he thought, I'm not going to live with that. I'm not going to go with a have a vote every other day on whether or not I get to stay. Screw that. And he and he quit. I'm going to take my cigarettes and head to the golf course. Speaking of which, the guy that replaced him, if you remember, Paul Ryan, who ended up Speaker of the House, didn't want the job at all. He was drafted by physical, physical, fiscal, <laughs> fiscal. Come here, come with us. <laughs> he was drafted by fiscal conservatives because he had a well-known brand as being a fiscal conservative. That was a an ideological argument. We want to, you know, balance the budget and that sort of stuff. And they picked a guy who's been standing for that. That's not what's going on here. No, uh, no. Unfortunately, I had one more point to make. Oh, the other demand that uh, some of the holdouts, the never Kevins or the terrorists or whatever you're calling them um, is term limits and uh, term limits sound like a good idea. But uh, there, there are many great things that have been written about term limits that have convinced me that they don't work. George Will being the he wrote an entire book on why term limits would be great then saw them in action in various states around the country and how they don't work, and then wrote another entire book on why <laughs> term limits don't work and changed his mind. And if you uh, read that, what happens is you, you just end up with that office becomes captured by special interests, and they put mm-hmm. different people in there. Right. And and there's no institutional knowledge, so you depend right. completely on staffers and lobbyists. Yeah. It sounds like a great idea, but it unfortunately does not work. No, it doesn't work. Uh, so a little bit more on this. Uh, the New York Times uh, has some, uh, and this is typical in the New York Times. It's very intelligent, but it's wildly biased analysis of what's going on. The headline being just, uh, so, you know, we'll, we'll go with the intelligence and I'll fix the bias. Just what do McCarthy's antagonists want and why won't they budge? The Republican holdouts are showing that party leaders' usual methods of arm twisting no longer work. Which I found interesting, just in a 30,000-foot sense. Because whether Kevin McCarthy's the speaker or not, and how soon it happens, again, wake me when it's over. But <clears throat> the idea that the very nature of politics has changed, I find interesting. It's not about policies, it's about the fight, said one former operative. To the endless frustration of McCarthy and his allies, the insurgents' demands have been heavy on two factors. Internal procedural rules, uh, which we've discussed somewhat, uh, but more than anything else, McCarthy's most diehard opponents just seem intent on taking him down. It's not about politics. It's about a, the fight, said a guy who used to work for Eric Cantor, who famously, he was the majority leader, lost his seat in an upset by a guy who now I think has disappeared into the woodwork. I'm not sure, but um, the more you hear the word fight or fighter, the less you hear about a strategy for winning that fight. Uh, let's see. We you went with the Dan Crenshaw quote. <clears throat> One of the peculiarities of this speaker vote has been watching McCarthy's team try to marshal the conservative industrial media complex, which helped power the rise of political outsiders like Donald Trump and has steadily weakened the ability of party leaders to keep backbenchers in line. Well, given the way the mainstream of the party has spent us into oblivion, I don't hate that idea at all. Uh, and then <clears throat> said this uh, uh, rep from Pennsylvania, quote, we'll see what happens when Tucker and Sean Hannity and Ben Shapiro start beating up on those guys. Maybe that'll move it. Now, here we get into the part that bothered me about 
the New York Times is biased, but but Tucker Carlson did not beat up on those guys. Instead, celebrating the speakership debate is pretty refreshing. Nor is it clear that Fox News can command the exclusive loyalties of the right. Witness how during the Republican primary for Senate last year in Pennsylvania, uh, Kathy Barnett almost won and almost upset Mehmet Oz before the general election. Uh, they talk about a frustrated Hannity saying, is this a game show to Lauren Boebert, blah, blah, blah. Here's what the left doesn't get about the right. And, and here's one of the things I love about the right. <clears throat> Fiscal conservatives often disagree with the Trumpiest of the Trumpy. Border hawks don't necessarily want to fund Ukraine. Social conservatives and I have some disagreements. I'm a small government libertarian, small L libertarian. We have disagreements on the right. We hash this stuff out all the time. We talk to each other about what's the policy is going to be the the best. And it's okay. We don't have that weird ideological cult thing where the, uh, you know, biological men should play in women's sport crowd dares not criticize the open borders crowd, which is so bizarre and incestuous, in my opinion. So, yeah, there's disagreement on the right. No Fox News can't compel everybody to vote the same thing. We don't work like that, New York Times. Yeah, I talked about this yesterday. The Hannity disagreement with Lauren Boebert on his show the other night. When have you ever seen that on MSNBC or CNN where you have some Democrat host arguing pretty hard with uh, some other main Democrat over some point? Yeah. They never do that. They stay away from those issues or pretend they don't have disagreements about it. The black community is not down with the trans stuff, but you're not going to see them argue about that on any cable news show. No, never, never. Um, I had one more point I was going to make about my Did you? And, Did you really? So yeah, many points. I don't know if it's important or not. Probably, eh, probably we'll be here for a while. Eh, we'll yeah. be here for a while, and it'll still be going. I wonder how long this is going to last, though. If McCarthy doesn't follow the National Review's idea and pull his name, there's no indication that these people are going to budge. I mean, how many how many votes are they going to do? You know, this is just, maybe it's Friday. I'm I'm already a little high. I'm not drinking these days, so I've been smoking pot since I woke up. Uh, no, not really. Um, <laughs> what if there's like no Congress for three weeks and everybody's fine and, and, and things are just hunky dory? <laughs> Would that send a message to the people only half paying attention who've been convinced of this utterly idiotic idea that the government is here to solve all their problems and give them happy lives? Maybe they'll figure out, oh, wait a minute. No, it's not. Um, so we got a bunch of other stuff, economic news that's out today and things. So stay with us. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. 
and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Of course, with everything going on in Washington, it's been a busy week for news anchors, and I think they need a break. I mean, check out this clip of Andrea Mitchell on MSNBC earlier today. After a night spent offering big concessions to the Never Kevins at the risk of alienating some of his original supporters in the Republican caucus. Excuse me. And then for the first time in TV history, a news anchor coughed up a hairball. I mean, never... That's the sound you make when the doctor checks if you have strep throat. You know what I'm saying? That's the sound your ketchup bottle makes when you try to squeeze out the last drop. The closed captioning just said, you're so lucky you didn't hear that. <laughs> Michael refused to tell me what was in that clip. I've got to admit, I was, I was braced for... Uh, um for uh, a flatulence, the flatulence of an old woman, which was, I'm glad we didn't go there. All right. Uh, I'm looking at the things we are going to do uh, for the rest of the show, and I'm telling you, hour four is going to be really, really interesting. Now, a lot of folks don't get hour four live on the radio. Um, Grab it via podcast, Armstrong and Getty on demand, wherever you like to get podcasts. If you're not adept at securing podcasts, you can just go to our website. There's a link. Uh, armstrongandgetty.com. So this story is getting a little attention, of course, in the usual quarters, certainly not in the mainstream media. Here is this co-owner of a queer indigenous artists collective in Wisconsin who's facing accusations of being white after claiming to hold n- Native American heritage, according to a report. Now, this Kay LeClaire, who identifies as a non-binary, therefore, even the New York Post refers to her as they for the rest of the article, because they've fallen in the whole pronoun thing. Because, what is that called? You uh, name-killed them, murdered them? Uh, misgendered them? Yeah. Misgendered them. Misgendered yes. them. There's also a worse term for that. Uh, something that involves, like, really? murdering them, yeah. What? Yeah. All right. The whole uh, speech is violence. This is an unsafe space. Trying to equivocate vaguely uh, uncomfortable language with with murder and mayhem. It's ridiculous. Anyway, so this gal, it's not like she mentioned once or twice at a cocktail party that she was a Native American. She had this long, elaborate claim uh, for the last five years that she was a member of the Metis Oneida Ashinabi Hadano-Sosauni. I'm sorry if I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. Cuban and Jewish heritage. Uh, she was also the founding member of the queer indigenous collective art scene in Madison, Wisconsin, Wisconsin, which is a college town and is left of St. Petersburg, Russia, in terms of its politics. <laughs> 
Uh, Ms. LeClaire, who went by the Native American name Unpronounceable, was allegedly exposed after a hobby genealogist uh, found out, blah, blah, blah. Um, And the Daily Mail has actually got quite an amusing tale describing how she, as an impressionable young white woman, was very uncomfortable because white people are evil, straight people are evil, cisgender people are evil, and as we've discussed before, this dope, and and I just think she's a dope. I think she's got a weak will, was so desperate not to be among the evil that she invents this identity right. as a non-binary indigenous person and went to the trouble of dyeing her hair and putting on makeup and dyeing her eyebrows and giving herself a darker complexion so she looks vaguely Native American. Just crazy. Speaking of crazy people... That evil, murderous scumbag who's now up in Idaho, who was in the courtroom yesterday. Uh, we're learning more uh, every minute, really. They're bending over backwards to satisfy his dietary needs in prison, but lots of people are threatening to kill him, among other oh, things. Boy. Stay tuned. Armstrong and Getty. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. He once applied for an internship at a police department. What more can you tell us about that? Well, in the fall of 2022, Koberger applied for an internship with the Pullman Police Department, which is about eight, nine miles from where these grisly murders occurred. And some people here are now wondering, was he studying the law to one day help prevent crime? Or was he trying to come up with the perfect crime? And keep in mind that uh, I interviewed one of the fathers of, of, of these four kids who was convinced that this was a meticulously planned murder and not an act of passion. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I don't. Uh, I, n- nobody's connected an act of passion to this thing yet. Um, uh, so your your theory is along the lines of what they're just talking about there, right? Well, yeah, kind of. That that report was kind of dopey. Um, it, it was not. Uh, he hasn't premeditated his life and his education and all in order to commit the perfect crime or whatever. I just think he's a guy who has been obsessed with evil and murder and crime and that sort of thing and what people are thinking when they do it. And the idea grew on him and grew on him that he wanted to to carry out a terrible crime and get away with it. He's a classic psychopath. You don't think it's interesting that a guy who uh, does this sort of thing and applied to be at a police department? No, that that fits in perfectly with his career path. So So, that doesn't surprise me at all. So what do you think he was going to do? He was just trying to get more knowledge about? Well, yeah, that's exactly. uh, I don't want to dismiss it, but that's having coached three kids through college. That's exactly the sort of internship you would pursue. In his field, mm. so if he didn't, that would be weird. Honestly, oh, well, we're right, but 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 okay. So what he's he he just I mean, getting a it's, PhD. It's part of the whole evil package. Yeah, getting your PhD is a lot of years of studying a particular thing, and the fact that he is into the whole crime and all that sort of stuff. I, I yeah. hope we hear more about it. So he's in he's in jail, and I got to assume it's not a very big jail there in a fairly small town in Idaho. You know, it's, it's not designed for your Hannibal Lecter types, which he practically is. And they've got him in a regular cell, but they have put up some uh, plastic, clear plastic partitioning to help protect him. And uh, the cellmate across from him uh, is in a constant state of flipping him off and screaming, I'm going to kill you, which would be uh, unsettling for many of us. I don't know how unsettling it is for this scumbag. Yeah, if we're thinking about the same thing, I think that's what, what was happening in Pennsylvania. Oh, okay. He was hounded by uh, an inmate in Pennsylvania, and I want to tell you about that in a minute. But um, the uh, the nature of it, in case you're just tuning in, is this guy clearly was a psychopath who believed he could pull off a brutal crime and get away with it because of his genius and expertise in criminology. Um, he was obviously a monster who could murder four people and then act relatively normally for the next several weeks of his life. He clearly stalked the people. His cell phone was pinging around their place in the wee hours of the morning a dozen times in the months leading up to the crime. And then he returned to the crime scene the next morning with his phone on in the same car he used to transport him to the unspeakable act of horror. Um, How did he choose these four? Or did he even choose four? Did he choose one and she happened, she or he happened to be in the room with three other people? I don't know if we'll ever know that. Yeah, yeah, you'd almost have to ask a psychopath to explain a psychopath, but uh, it seems clear to me, given the number of times he was in that area, he was going around campus or just off campus where the rental houses tend to be. Every college town has those areas. Um, And he was just looking for a likely place where he thought he could get in and out and kill people and where he observed young people. Yeah, so he's got a he's got a combination of like really well thought out meticulous planning along with like incredibly sloppy dumb planning. So you you, you turned off your phone during the crime so there'd be no way for them to, you know, figure out where you are and what you're doing. But you had your freaking phone on when you drove by a dozen times and immediately thereafter and when you went back yeah. the next day and you drove your own car. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's well, that's one of the things that uh, the families of victims or victims who survive have to deal with, is that the whole thing was so freaking stupid. 
stupid. Almost all of you, this, these sorts of things always, that's that's the worst part is it's just yeah. it's completely unnecessary. It's just so dumb. Yeah. So evidently the whole car thing was a huge clue, them observing that car, the Hyundai Elantra, the white one on security cameras around the crime scene, including like your doorbell cameras that neighbors just had. And then they just uh, went out in concentric circles looking at security cameras all over the place. Show me a white uh, Elantra going around and we'll look for patterns. Also, let's figure out. You've all seen this on cop shows. All right. Give me every single son of a gun and who owns a, a Hyundai Elantra, a white Hyundai Elantra for 50 miles in every direction. We'll start there. Give me a list of names. It's probably 500 people long. It's kind of, It's a popular car. And we'll see if we can come up with any sort of connections. And they did with this guy prior to having the DNA match. Mm-hmm. That was very, very late in the game. That's when they moved in and got him when they had the DNA. Uh, but he is uh, he is a psychopathic monster. It's clear. You, you know, you can almost tell by his, uh, the way he acts in court. Oh, and, and to the uh, oh, go ahead. Then we can get to the prisoner berating him thing. Well, the psychopathic monster, has he always been a psychopathic monster or did he turn into one? So I was just watching on the CBS early show the interviews with old high school friends of his, and he was a really overweight, quiet kid that got bullied a lot. Then his senior year, he loses 100 pounds and becomes the bully in a fairly violent way and becomes a heroin addict. So, like, did psychopathy hit him late in life or I I wonder about that? Yeah, interesting. Yeah. So uh, he was in jail in Pennsylvania awaiting extradition, and um, uh, an inmate was berating him quite a bit. F you, I'm going to kill you, a fellow inmate told Koberger with his middle finger raised. Uh, he, He yelled that you're creepy, and he commented he didn't appear remorseful. Uh, the guy yells at him, Where'd you, why'd you kill those people? Koberger said, I didn't do anything. Um, and so the inmate says, uh, why were you even in Moscow then? Why were you around the scene of the crime? And he said, the shopping's better in Idaho. So this guy's cracking wise and uh, and smirking at the guy, even if he's uh, as he's getting yelled at in the uh, little jail there in, in Pennsylvania. So the other thing, in addition to the the two things that are most interesting to me, I guess they kind of fit together. That, that was he, you know, was he born a psychopath? Is there a certain part of his brain that doesn't work? I was talking to a, uh, somebody the other day who knows a lot about the brain saying, yeah, they can look on scans and, and see, you know, people whose the empathy part of their brain just doesn't work. Um, they just don't care about yeah. anything. Um, so, but was he born that way? Did something happen to him in high school? Did the drug use make him crazy or whatever? I think that's interesting. And then to what extent was he this weirdo person in high school and how much did his parents know about it? I mean, he's 28. So these high school stories are 10 years old now. What has he Mm -hmm. been like in the previous 10 years and what did his parents know about it? So they knew where he was going to college they, I'm sure, you know, follow the news enough to hear about these horrible murders in a town right by where he lives. And then quickly it's announced the car that is driving. I'm certain they know what kind of car he drives. So if you're a parent and you hear, wow, my son has that kind of car and lives right like 10 miles from where those murders were. That's weird. I, I wonder what their reaction was. Uh, did, did they have a disturbed kid that they'd always been worried about who they thought, holy crap. Or did they ne- never even cross their mind that it could be? I, I don't know which. 
We were talking about psychopaths a while back, and we got a couple of emails, one in particular that I could probably find if you gave me five minutes, but um, it was from parents of a psychopath. Um, and and they talked about the one thing that their son is and was is extremely manipulative. Oof. Yeah. And so to what extent these parents had any clue, it's really difficult to say. Oh, hey, this is interesting. I uh, got this from Jim and, and information's, you know, trickling out here and there all over the place. He has heard that uh, two of the girls worked at a vegan restaurant that this guy went to all the time. He's a vegan. I'm about to talk about that. Speaking of psychopaths, yeah. vegans. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, maybe it, it wasn't random at all. Maybe he was following them home. They, they were all, the young ladies, all very attractive. So a psychopath, Ted Bundy-ish would-be killer certainly could have been. Uh, you know, obsessed with them. So he's a super vegan or OCD or something in that he um, he's got the very the, the, the normal vegan thing. And then his family said his aunt and uncle, they had to new, buy new pots and pans because he would not eat from anything that had ever had meat cooked in it. Of course, you don't have to buy new pots and pans because he says, I won't eat meat I won't eat anything out of your pan if it had meat cooked in it, but they decided right. to. Now the jail did. I no, heard the, they, the aunt and uncle. Oh, the aunt and uncle did. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's I'm just I, I don't know. I don't know if they felt like okay, he's got mental illness, and we we should accommodate him just you know out of kindness, or are you catering to a weirdo's needs in a way? Maybe you know I don't know which. I wasn't there, but that's something to go out and buy new pots and pans because your nephew says I'm not going to eat out of that pan if you've cooked bacon in it. All right, well, then don't eat then might be my reaction. But um, depends on what his you know, mental health situation was. They're at the jail. They are making sure he gets his vegan meals. I guess that's something we do, which I suppose is fine. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Unbelievable. We'll learn more. This could be an in, this could be an interesting one for I, for some reason. I don't know any. I don't I guess I have no evidence of this. For some reason, I picture him being. Fairly forthcoming with a lot of information throughout this trial, but who knows? Yeah, sooner or later, in the way that Ted Bundy finally gave the, uh, when it became clear there was no appeal that was going to work and he was just doomed, yeah, he wanted to tell everybody how clever he was. Yeah, yeah, he, that's what he strikes me as, one of those guys that I'm smarter than you and, and has a need to explain it to us. Mm-hmm. So that'll be something to hear. Ugh. What a horrible freaking story. You know, the, the, maybe the takeaway, if there is any, people just need to wake up and understand you can call it evil if you want. There is evil. Among, there are evil people. They're irredeemable. Maybe they're damaged. Maybe their brain doesn't work. Uh, maybe they were damaged by a tough upbringing or whatever. And that's that's tragic. But mm-hmm. there are predators among us. There are people who don't give a damn about humanity. They're not bound by our laws, our rules, our traditions, our morals. They are predators. Wake up and design your society around that fact. And then perhaps... You wouldn't have all of your goods locked up at the grocery store and the the drug store, and you wouldn't be enacting these utterly ridiculous, stupidly naive crime policies in so many blue cities. But that's enough of that for now. Oh, yeah, the uh, the new information uh, on the economy. I wanted to hit you with a couple of numbers that are just out. Unemployment actually went down. I mean, we're into record low unemployment. I mean, we keep breaking records. We've never had this few people out of work yet. Yet, yet what? We're, I don't know, we've got gazillions of people that are on all kinds of government services and all these open jobs. So how does that all fit together? Stay tuned. 
Armstrong and Getty. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. President Biden said yesterday that he will travel next week to the southern border for the first time since taking office. When asked if it was dangerous, the Secret Service said, a little, but we don't think he'll actually try to escape. (laughs) There you go. Yeah, Joe Biden. Somebody just emailed us, uh, hope he goes to the right border. Because he's old. Joe Joe Biden is going to the border on Sunday, and we'll do more on uh, the harsh new immigration rules. Joe Biden becoming a hard liner on illegal immigration. Cracking down, according to the New York Times. So we'll have that in hour four of the Armstrong and Getty Show. As he revives all the policies that worked under Trump, but pretends they're not the same policies. It's unbelievable. We were talking earlier about the stupidity of crime. I mentioned this yesterday and never paid it off. One of those attacks on electrical substations that happened uh, in recent weeks. This one happened to be in the Tacoma area, not far from where my kid lives. Um, These two morons are facing federal charges of conspiracy to damage energy facilities. They shot up a, a substation, caused $3 million in damage. Why? Terrorism? Russian uh, plants? No. They thought that would shut off the power to an area and they could commit a couple of burglaries. Just complete freaking morons. Yeah. Well. Ugh. Dumb people cause lots of problems. Yeah, they do. And commit lots of crimes, too. So, stock market's up a little bit. They're happy with the jobs report that is out because it looks like the market is cooling? or uh, Whatever. Wait, wait. No, I think the market's down because the jobs are good. What's the matter with you? <laughs> the, the market is is uh, up because it looks like there's not going to be another rate hike. 
Well, that that would happen if the jobs were down. Good news is bad news, Jack. Um, so, but here's the interesting number to me: unemployment dropped back down to three point five percent, a fifty year low. This should be a major topic of conversation, but it's not. We have record low unemployment. We have millions of people that are not working. And we have a record high number of job openings. (laughs) Somebody square the circle on that. It's unbelievable, isn't it? We were talking about this yesterday, how in uh, more than half the states, uh, and like all of the blue states, the average unemployment payout, all the benefits, uh, and and unemployment, a couple of emailers made the point, unemployment insurance is different than like welfare benefits. If you lose a job that you had and legitimately been paying unemployment insurance, that's a different thing. You're quite right. Mm. These are all benefits for the unemployed. Okay, we'll just we'll call it that. But across 25 blue states, uh, the average unemployment payout for a family of four exceeds the median household income. You are better off on the dole than getting a crappy job. And I'm supposed to expect that those people are going to say, you know what, I can get as much or more money not working, but damn it. That's not right. So I'm going to go over to the IHOP and start waiting tables. And I'm going to give up all this fabulous free time that I'm making living pretty well, or that I'm enjoying living pretty well, making a good living doing nothing. Exactly. That's kind of an unrealistic expectation I just laid out. Speaking of the IHOP and similar uh, outlets, uh, this headline, Chipotle and White Castle are spending hundreds of thousands of dollars a month on robots. As we've predicted and others... The fast food, everybody who fogs a mirror at a fast food place should be able to support a family of six movement on the left, which is utterly childlike in its idiocy, has pushed wages to the point where White Castle and Chipotle, for instance, have said, no, it's now time to invest amazing amounts of money in robots. So, for instance, White Castle is testing a uh, burger flippy uh, robot at 100 different locations. Chipotle uses a one-armed robot to make tortilla chips at one site. Starbucks has $18,000 AI-powered espresso machines in at least 1,200 locations. Yeah, the robots will be fine until one yanks a baby's head off. (laughs) That's hard to picture that happening, but uh, four and five operators are understaffed, according to the National Restaurant Association, have been since the pandemic hit. Uh, you know, the pandemic was self-explanatory, but the post-pandemic is what you were just describing. Well, see, yeah, you got combining factors there, which really are going to lead to a, a robot army serving you your pancakes. Um, one, you've just raised the price to where, okay, I guess I guess the robot does make more sense. Plus, I need something. I need something to deliver pancakes to the table. And there are no human beings interested in this job. So I guess I better spend however much it takes to get a robot or close my doors because there ain't no other choice. Here's what you did, SEIU, your your labor movement, you communists who want everybody in the union and a living wage for everybody who can fog a mirror. Starbucks has rolled out more than $21 million worth of AI-powered espresso makers to replace people. They've put $21 million into it. This uh, flippy robot, they call it, uh, is capable of cooking 300 burgers and dropping hundreds of baskets of fries into the fry daily. Company claims its technology so it performs... a baby into the fries. Oh, the fry again grease. with the babies. Uh, claims its technology performs food preparation tasks twice as fast as human workers, 30% more efficiently. Um, 
It doesn't make sense to me that for the history of mankind, there was a balance between what you pay somebody to wait tables at a restaurant and people who would want to do it, and then all of a sudden there isn't. I know. That doesn't make any sense. What has changed? Well, I already told you what's changed. It's got to be government payouts. It's got to be, doesn't it? Of course. Of course it is. If you ever miss an hour of the show, we do four hours. Did you know we do four hours of the show? It's too much. I'm so tired. (laughs) If you ever miss an hour or a portion, get the podcast. Look for Armstrong and Getty On Demand. Armstrong and Getty. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at. Like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.